Hello, this is Mike Edo and Steve Carpenter. Welcome to the 29th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Bines. Uh, we've got a beautiful October, October day here, Steve, in, uh, in Yakima. Harvest is over, and it's playoff time. It is, and I just I was over at uh, the Master Brewers Association Northwest Chapter. They're having their uh, quarterly meeting over there, and got a chance to address the group and talk a little bit about the hop crops. So, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful uh, day, uh, and uh, the playoffs, uh, the last, the final four. And uh, this year, the four teams I think probably are the best uh, best four teams or each uh, each league, the best two teams in each league. It's uh, it's kind of nice to see that. It might have might seem like it's been a while since we've had that yeah it is it's uh it's going to be fun this is my favorite time of the year not just because the hops are all in the barn and and we're busy with uh allocation and uh starting the processing season but uh to be able to go home and sit down and watch uh, some live baseball for another month before uh I go through my uh, off-season depression, having to wait for spring training to come around. Yeah, well, yeah, depressing for both uh, you as a Mariners fan and me as a Twins fan, but at least the stinking Yankees didn't win, so we got that going. That's right. That's that's right. That's one good thing going for us, I guess. Well, we've got a really special guest today. Uh, we've got Kevin Euclid from Loma Brewery in, uh, in Los Gatos, California. Kevin, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. Kevin, have you been watching the playoffs, and uh, what do you think of the current Red Sox team? Uh, I, I try to get a little bit in. Uh, being a father of three children, uh, it's always tough at night to uh, sit down and watch a baseball game. But uh, I, I definitely caught a little bit, and unfortunately I kind of stopped watching uh, intently after I, uh, my Cubs that I worked for with uh, Theo Epstein were eliminated in uh, this funky new you know this funky system the of the yeah. playing game to the playing game um so yeah so talking about the two best teams i'm a little bitter about that <laughs> yeah no fair but enough I, yep they the cubs, I'm a little partial the cubs actually had two play-in games this that's year that's right yeah and uh, won the first one and didn't win the second one but uh yeah that's baseball you play the whole season and the new wild card era it's uh you're one and done if you don't uh, don't have a good good night. It's a lot of work to get to that one game, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I kind of disagree with the format. Um, you know, if you're going to have a thing where you play each other 19 times and it's an odd number, uh, there's always going to be one team that has a better record. Uh, I, I feel that there's no need for a play-in game for that reason. If it is a tie at the end, yep. it's just go down to a head-to-head. So you save your pitching, you save all all the best. Uh, fireworks for later down the road so um a couple things you know that i would change if i was the commissioner of baseball would be also the game and instead of a five game series i think it's, it's only fair to have a, a wild card series of seven too um but i'm not gonna be the commissioner of baseball anytime soon <laughs> so <laughs> i uh, really don't have a say yeah it's it's hard for me kevin as a, a seattle mariner fan to complain about a one game playoff because uh, <laughs> it's been so long since we've been in the playoffs that uh, uh, I'd do just about anything for just one game of, of playoff <laughs> baseball. But uh, anyway. Well, Kevin, how did you uh, end up after baseball uh, um, starting or being part of a brewery? How did that all come about? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much uh, the, the number one question I get these days because uh, people are pretty intrigued. Like, why would you, you know get into this business and where did it all start? And for me personally, it was uh, traveling the country uh, with the luxuries we had of going to all these major cities. 
across the country and just finding out all these craft beer places. And it's kind of started locally in Boston at a, a liquor store I'd go into, and they had a, a really, really good supply of different beers from around the country. And uh, in Boston, you know, they're extra friendly when you play for the Red Sox. So a couple of the guys that worked in there uh, would always gravitate to me and try to steer me in the right direction of the beer styles I kind of enjoyed and kind of the new beer styles that were coming out. They would always keep me informed because it was just, the, the, the industry was growing so fast. So uh, I started out there, and then just everywhere I, I'd go, uh, Kansas City was always a good one because Boulevard mm-hmm. uh, was in the clubhouse. They would always have Boulevard Brewing Company right there in bottles. Uh, most clubhouses just had, you know, your, your large domestics, but that was probably one of the first ones that had something else other mm-hmm. than the domestic beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I just would go around and whether it be a, you know, the hotel bar or somewhere else, they, they would always have a craft beer on hand and I would just try something new. And I gravitated towards it and said, after I'm done playing, I'd love to get into that business. Uh, because a lot of it was about the camaraderie between uh, all the breweries and how they get along and, yep. and really work together to go against, I guess, the man uh, and the uh, domestic beer producers. Absolutely. You know, Kevin, you were kind enough to send us up some uh, Greek god of hops, your double <laughs> IPA. And I got to tell you, just took a sip, and that it's is really an amazing good. beer. And I, we've done a lot of these podcasts. Most of the beers have been wonderful, yep. but every once in a while, you get one that stands out. And this, this one is a really uh, good one. Yep, is uh, a, the the type of beer that a guy like me likes. Uh, just a little bit of beer with my hops. Oh, nice! I'm glad you glad you're enjoying that one. That's definitely one that we. Uh, should put a warning label on because uh, <laughs> it, it is so to, it's it's so good, but uh, it catches up to you quickly. So I I, I tend to warn people, uh, even some of the best beer drinkers I know, I always warn them and tell them, hey, listen, uh, th- this one uh, goes down a little too smooth uh, yep. for the ABV levels. I agree. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, nine percent on this baby. You know, it's a really good beer. Uh, and and how did you end up in uh, in Silicon Valley with a brewery instead of uh, you know Chicago or Boston or Cincinnati? With, you know, how did you end up in uh, Silicon Valley or Los Gatos? Uh, so my wife grew up in San Mateo, which is about thirty five minutes uh, north, and uh, we decided to move a. You know, I, I basically left it in her hands. She had a real estate license, and I allowed her um, kind of just to you know pick out the place. Uh, and if you're ever down in the Bay Area, you'll notice uh, the weather is forever changing. It's uh, from 30 miles away, you can drop 20 degrees. Uh, so we have that actual thing here where uh, Los Gatos is a lot warmer. Uh, you can go about 15 miles north and it could drop 10 degrees. So my wife enjoys the heat. I'm not much of a heat person, uh, but, uh, you know, you always follow your wife where she wants to go because a happy wife, happy life. So Absolutely. we uh, ended up here. <laughs> And yeah, and so we ended up here that way. And uh, I'm very fortunate that my house is it's about 0.8 of a mile away. Wow. So I'm nice. really close. That's the way to do it. So I celebrated, uh, or my wife and I celebrated our 41st wedding anniversary last week. So uh, you've learned oh, early, Kevin, what the most important rule is <laughs> if mom ain't happy, ain't no one happy. Yeah. yeah. It, it is forever. I, I don't think it's ever going to change either. So um, hopefully we can pass that uh, on to our, our kids. There we go. And, Steve, I mean, 41 years, also 41 years for the Mariners. And, and when you have your 
your anniversary here the first week of October. Are you celebrating the anniversary or commiserating over another season without a, a World Series uh, uh, victory? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes to both. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, uh, it's kind of strange, uh, you know, growing up, uh, there were no Seattle Mariners. So I was kind of a San Francisco Giants fan. Okay. That was the closest, uh, ball team, uh, geographically. And they had this, uh, young guy named Willie Mays roaming center field out there. And, mm -hmm. and that's really when I became a huge baseball fan. Yep. And Willie McCovey, speaking of first baseman and Kevin, I mean, Kevin, uh, where did you grow up and uh, what team did you follow when you were a kid? Uh, which major league team did you follow? Uh, so I grew up in Cincinnati. I was born and raised, uh, went to the University of Cincinnati. So uh, diehard Reds fan growing up, uh, diehard Bengals fan, diehard Bearcats. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was very fortunate that, that UC was one of the two two universities that wanted me for baseball in Division One. I. I didn't have many offers. Uh, so being a – my dad went there and it took us to games. So I was a huge Reds fan growing up, and uh, and I, I tell this story, and uh, a lot of the Reds – people that are in the front office are no longer there but um during college you know there was a lot of you know you get recruited a little bit you know or not recruited your past recruiting thing you get looked at by scouts and you know there was a couple scouts from the reds that always kind of just said eh, you know we don't see you know enough potential in home uh so it was an interesting growing up process when i was 21 22 years old the team I loved so much had no love for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, was, it was the beginning of the end of my love for the Reds um, <laughs> in many ways. Um, but it was one of the greatest things in my life. Um, you get heartbroken. Uh, you can either do one or two things. You can, you can either sink or you can swim. And I just, I just rose above it and just used it as a chip on my shoulder to show them that I could do it someday. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to be drafted by the Boston Red Sox and you know, the rest is history after that with all the cool things that, uh, and, you know, the, the two World Series championships later. Yeah. Um, I'm forever happy that the Reds didn't draft me. Fantastic. <laughs> I think I remember reading someplace uh, that uh, after you were drafted or at some point uh, and you got a signing bonus of whatever it was, uh, your dad something, said something to the effect of uh, Kevin would have signed if they just gave him a six-pack of beer. <laughs> so that, that might have been the start of your brewing career or something back then. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we joke around about that. Uh, he's 100% true. Uh, I definitely would have done it for just a six-pack of beer. Uh, I love the game. I love every part of it. I just want to make it to the major leagues. And the business side uh, becomes a little ugly uh, and, and jade you in, in different ways. You get a little jaded because of it. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I would say that's the hardest part. And if I could ever talk to young uh, ball players, it's to stay out of that. Let your let your the people that are handling it take care of it and just love the game as much as you can because mm -hmm. it can steer you in different directions if you let it. But you know, and also I think it's just growing up in Cincinnati and just all the history of brewing there. I think sure. you know it's it's fascinating on the people in the industry that have you know influenced uh, you know craft beer in many different ways. But also, I think at one point I, I don't know if it's the eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds, Cincinnati had the most uh, breweries. Mm -hmm. of any city in America mm -hmm. um, from the gym, uh, the German influx that was, that was over there and over the Rhine and all that area. And now mm -hmm. the breweries are just going even crazier in Cincinnati right now. Yeah. Well, Rheingeist, we had as a Rheingeist, we had as a guest uh, about a month or two ago, they're making great beer in Cincinnati. It's true. But to your point earlier, Kevin, uh, the brewing community and in the industry of brewers, uh, it's, it's really collaborative and, uh, 
people help each other out, and I would imagine that you had some of the Bay Area breweries helping you and your team out as you were getting started as well at Loma. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Uh, I, I I joke around about it, but uh, being a being a major league baseball player, you get you get you get some ints uh, from people that are huge fans of baseball, and I was very fortunate to have a few um, you know baseball fans uh, in the brewing world that I got to talk to early. Uh, Dan Canary at Harpoon Brewing Company has mm-hmm. helped me out and mentored me a lot on the brewing world, and mm-hmm. hopefully, and I'll probably see him this weekend at some point going back to Boston. And uh, Vinny from Russian River sure. was also huge. I, I got to meet with him and talk to him a bunch, um, and just 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 how nice they've been. I mean, both are very very successful in the in the brewing world, and they uh, just gave me such great pointers and and helped me out and mm-hmm. making early on the, the right decisions uh, that hopefully will benefit benefit us in the long run. Yeah. I mean, you started your career, obviously, after your baseball career, and so a little bit older um, going into brewing than some of the young guys that get started. Did you, did you have experiences, you think, that have helped you uh, become a brewer and a brewery owner to, to, to get Loma launched and, and successfully? Uh, you know, for me personally, uh, people always ask, oh, you, yeah, I, I homebrewed once and I, I, I made an IPA and it was successful. Uh, so I went on my baseball stats and I said, one for one's pretty good. I don't know if I want to go off, you know, go off of that. So I got a pinch hit Homer on the first one. So I kind of left it at that. Um, but you know, I, I really, I've come to understand a lot of things in life is, uh, you don't want to be the jack of all trades and master of none. So I, I leave it uh, to all the people that are really, really good at brewing. And we're very fortunate right now. We have uh, Brogan Hunters, our brewer. She came on um, as an assistant brewer at the beginning of our opening. And now she's taken over as the head brewer. And, you know, she's, you know, mid 20s, a head brewer. And she's doing some awesome things for us. So mm-hmm. I'm just super happy. I mean, it, it, in multiple ways i mean to have a female brewer on board is is truly special um you know there's not a lot in the industry and we feel it's 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 a very cool thing not only you know because she's brewing such great beer and that's uh one of the fun parts about having her on board right now yeah hey kevin you know there was a relief pitcher that pitched for the uh seattle mariners for a year by the name of chris ray who, who's got a uh, – bro- You know Chris. Okay, good. I was wondering yeah. about that. He's got uh, Center of the Universe Brewing, I think, is what it's called. It's, yeah, Mike. back yeah. on the East Coast. Back yeah. on the East Coast. And I was wondering if you guys uh, knew each other. I know of Chris Ray. I, I mean, we, we I faced him uh, mainly when he was in Baltimore. Yeah, uh, he was there for more years than he was with Seattle. That's right. And he, he is – he does have one of my inf- uh, infamous stories of a teammate that hit a home run off him. It's not <laughs> – it's uh, more of a testament to the hitter, uh, Willie Mopena. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. A large, large human being. Yes. Um, <laughs> and a good buddy. And uh, he had a grand slam off Chris Ray when the, the wind was blowing straight in. And, and I tell that story all the time. But, yeah, I heard he has a brewery. And it's uh, and I know of a couple other guys that are looking to get in the brewing world, too. So it's, it's something uh, that uh, a lot of baseball players, uh, beer and baseball go well together. Yeah. I joke around now more than ever that, um, I never could drink while I played, but now that I'm retired and I have to watch baseball, it's forcing me to drink beer. <laughs> it's almost a requirement, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it sounds to me like uh, you became a brewer by choice, and maybe Chris became a brewer out of necessity. 
giving up home runs. <laughs> well, let's hope not. I think I, I think he I think he made enough to to you know live life in the fast lane a little bit, but sure. um, you know some guys was passionate about it, and, and you know I I definitely uh, we haven't brought down our uh, test pilot system as much, and that was one of my mis- I, I we got it back two years ago, and we haven't used it as much as we'd like to. Um, but our new brewer and Brogan, I talked to her and we're going to get it down next week and start cranking it out and doing small batches and, and try to do some funkier. Or I shouldn't say funkier. Every time I say funky, it, you know, people think of, you know, creative and innovative type, uh, beer styles. Yeah. Uh, funky is not the right word to be using in beer. I've, I've learned. So, uh, we're going to have fun with it. And I think that's where I'm going to learn the most. And I can uh, get on that test pilot system. And I really want to like, learn and understand about the brewing process on a small scale uh, before I try to even get on that big uh, uh, 10 barrel brewing system and uh, try to try to get those beers cranking out there. So uh, have you been able to get your beer? Have you gotten Theo convinced to get your beer into Wrigley Field yet? Uh, not yet. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a work in progress. Uh, Theo's had our beer. Uh, so uh, we had a, uh, a dinner at my brother's restaurant. Uh, no longer he's, he sold it, but uh, we went to his restaurant, and I brought the all the exe- uh, the, the front office guys and brought over a bunch of the beer. Uh, so we had dinner, gave all the guys the beer, and then in spring training, I bring the, I bring uh, some crowlers uh, to spring training for the guys. So, um, you know, Anthony Rizzo, he's a big fan of the IPA, our appeasement. Oh, sure. uh, a lot of our coaching staff, they love the IPA, they love the Greek God, uh, big fans of uh, the Kolsch, uh, mm-hmm. one of our one of our top sellers. So uh, it's fun. It's fun bringing the guys beer because, you know, they all look at you too, like, oh, I'll try it. And they don't know if it's like legit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, and then once they try it, they're like, wow, this is really good. And I'm like, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's good beer. Um, it's, it's, it's not just a, you know, there, there's a couple people that have been in different industries that, you know, and that's why I didn't want to put my name necessarily on the brand. Uh, I didn't want it to be just a gimmick. Right. I want it to be about the employees and, and the people behind it that uh, that sure. push the beer. Yeah. So Kevin is a scout and development consultant for the Cubs. Do you make it down to uh, the Phoenix area then during uh, spring training? I do. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite time of the year. Um, Mike so far is letting me get getting down there for a week or two uh, every March. And uh, of course, I spent a lot of time uh, over at Peoria watching the Mariners get ready for the season yeah. but uh the fun part of it is going to uh sloan and and the goodyear and, and camelback and all the other ballparks uh uh it's if you love baseball that's the place to be in march holy cow it's really cool spring training is spring training is a special time uh you know for fans uh it it really is laid back it's fun you get to see a lot of different ball players you might not see during the year sure some new guys are going to come up you get to know them but, you know, it's, and it's the opportunity for kids to get autographs. Uh, it's, you know, I said in spring training, I'd always sit out and try to sign as many autographs as possible because during the year I was just too focused on trying to win ball games and sure. um, uh, didn't sign as many. So uh, it, it's really fun. And I never had spring training myself in Arizona. And I, I tell you what, after being there for the past four, I, I totally missed out because – uh, those road trips are, are not fun in Florida, <laughs> going across the state and going yeah. uh, about two and a half hours 
uh, where I think it's like 50 minutes is the longest trip you have to take. Yep. Uh, so it, it's beautiful. And uh, there's some good beer out there, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, I've gone down, I think last year was our 11th year in a row that we went down. And that's one of the fun parts, too, is just watching the beer and how it's, in my opinion, for the type of beer I like, how it's improved. Um, for many years, you kind of had four peaks down there, and that was about it. And then uh, Santan came along, and now there's lots of good choices for great beer down there. Uh, so yeah, Arizona Wilderness yeah. has done a good job, and it's fun. I mean, it's it's a, it's a cool – I mean, that's the best part of this industry is no matter where you go, you can always find something now. There's just so many great breweries out there doing some – and uh, they're just doing great things. Yep. I know you you'd spent one year final year playing professional baseball in Japan and and it was before you became a brewer but did uh, you get a chance while you were over there to either uh, try any of the Japanese craft brewers or even you know the the more traditional mass produced Japanese beers was that something that uh, you got a chance to participate in? I did. I I I, I had a few over there and I and I can't remember all the names but. That, that was my mission. My mission was to try to find, uh, you know, the few that were there. Uh, and uh, it, it was it was great. It was, it was just so cool to see how the styles that made, you know, America beer special and popular um, were kind of just filtering into that Japanese market where everything was mainly a lager. Uh, so you had more ales coming in. And I, I thought that was just a, a tr- tremendous thing to see. Uh, because and then being able to see like anchor, uh, you see anchor over there and yep. you see, uh, some, you know, craft beer from America imported in. It's just, it's just a cool, unique, you know, place. And, and, the, and it just goes so well with the food over there. There's so much good food that pairs well with beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the culture there, they love beer so much and, uh, the whiskey. So it, it was a good time. Uh, I had, a, I had a blast. I was there for three months. Unfortunately got hurt, but, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, I was joke around that hopefully my next trip over is bringing some Loma Brewing Company uh, back to uh, Sendai where I got to, to play a little baseball. I've, I was to one game uh, in Japan at the Tokyo Dome uh, a few years ago and it's uh, it's wildly different than U.S. Uh, baseball stadiums and uh, the crowd and the whole bit is, is, is it's a lot of fun but it's different isn't it? Yeah very different um, and for players it's in my opinion it's better. Um, because the fans are in it all game long yep. and loud, you know, not, not to take away from American. I mean, there, there, there's so many great baseball fans here and it's America's, you know, national pastime. Um, but I, I really, I mean, it was so much fun. I mean, all the cheers they have and just the, the fans that are just collectively, you know, chanting and singing together mm-hmm. throughout the whole game. And, uh, it's a special place. It really uh, is. a special place to be a, uh, an athlete. And uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, and that's why I did it. I wanted to try something new. And uh, I had offers to play here. Um, but my wife and I said we want to try something unique and and have a, a lasting memory uh, overseas. Yeah, very, very cool. You know, the, the Japanese-style baseball is still, I guess maybe Steve, you and I, or you, Kevin, too, obviously would consider – more old school baseball where it was about on base percentage and batting the guy over and advancing the runner and the whole bit. I mean, do you, you watch baseball now, Kevin, and obviously it's changed and it's just, you know, a lot of it's a difference of opinion, but it's home run strikeout or walk now compared to, you know, everything you did to get on base back in the day. Do you, do you miss that or do you, do you, how, what do you think about it? I guess is, is, is the question. 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, Japanese baseball was frustrating a lot of times uh, because it, it was playing for a run and not the big innings. Uh, every time the, the, the leadoff hitter got, uh, you know, got on base somehow, some way, uh, the second, you know, the two-hole hitter would always bunt. Yep. Uh, to bunt him over, and, and it always frustrated me because I was like, man, why are we playing for a big <laughs> inning? Because I wasn't used to that. We didn't believe in that right. in Boston. Um, until like seventh, eighth, ninth, if you need to get a run, then you bunt. But uh, it definitely was different. It was very old school. Um, yeah, a lot of people ask me about the new way. I, I think it just every player is just different, and I think there, there, it, it's been like this throughout the history of baseball. Some guys have tried to be home run hitters. They're not home run hitters. Um, There's some guys that you know need to learn how to drive the ball more because they have it within them, but they just don't. They're just kind of too scared to, you know, strike out. So uh, I say every guy has to evolve and grow into to what hitter they need to become. Um, each guy is unique and has their own attributes that make them who they are. But, you know, it, it is kind of depressing for me that guys are striking out with runners in scoring position so much. Yeah. Uh, trying to hit that homer. Um, you know, for me, it's there's certain times you can take your shots and try to drive the ball out of the yard. Um, but what I always found was the more times you try to drive the ball out of the yard, the more times – you don't do it. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're trying to, you know, hit line, I always say trying to hit line drives the center fielder or make the second baseman a shortstop, you know, jump up for, you know, for, for screaming liners. Uh, that's what we always try to do. We weren't always trying to hit ground balls hard through the infield. It was just a, a byproduct of uh, just getting, you know, on top of the ball too much. So I, I don't know if the game will ever change. And I, and I finally come to terms with, it is going to be different, and I'm not going to be the grumpy old man that doesn't want to watch baseball mm-hmm. um, because it's not to my standard of liking. Um, I'm just going to evolve with the times and just enjoy the game for what it is. It's still the greatest game ever invented, in my it opinion. Is. Yeah. I mean, you got uh, the game that was really developed back in the turn of the century. Is still the I, I still marvel at the geometrics of baseball and and how that. Uh, Sharp ground ball to the shortstop is still a bang bang play. Yep, absolutely. At first base, regardless of the people getting stronger and bigger and faster, and and uh, that's one of the neat things that I think about when I think of baseball. Um, so, uh, y- you know, Kev- Kevin, you in, uh, in in Moneyball, you were referred to as the Greek Euclid, the Greek god of walks, <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect that uh, over time that. Uh, has uh, probably weighed on you a little bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, to me, that's a huge compliment. I mean, in this day and age, to be a ball player that's going to go out there and find a way to get on base, um, it's it's a huge attribute, in my opinion. How, how have you dealt with that over the years? Just uh, your uh, uh, notation, I guess, in that book, and then how that developed over time. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting because I was in double A when that book came out. Um, so in one way, it really helped me because there was a lot of reporters coming to ask me questions and, and in an atmosphere there where you're, you're not getting hardly any reporters coming to you. Um, uh, minor leagues is it's, it's young guys trying to work their way up. And, uh, so there's only a couple, but I had more probably interview requests than ever. Um, so it was a good, it was good for me in the sense of getting to understand how to be better at interviewing and, and talking to reporters, uh, at an early age, cause it, it came from fast. Um, 
when once you get to Boston uh, with the, with the huge media draw there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the the hard part about it was there was a big Greek population in old Massachusetts and people would come up to me and be really excited and be speaking Greek to me. And I, <laughs> and being a Jew and being Jewish, I was like, wait, this doesn't sound like Hebrew. So I'm like, wait, what are they saying? And then I'm like, Oh, they think I'm Greek. So that was probably the hardest part was letting uh, down all, all the Greek, uh, you know, individual baseball fans that were just so excited to have a Greek ball player. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm Jewish Romanian. And I, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, but it was great. It was an honor. And uh, I joke around. And I said, I never made any money off the Greek out of walk. So I decided <laughs> to call a beer Greek out of hop so I can make money off that Greek out. Uh, I absolutely love your label. I mean, with the, the little <laughs> hop beard going. Got your beard and, going uh, there. Yep. 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 You can, I don't know if it's a uh, Kevin Euclid or Jay Buhner, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd that's be an great. Honor. <laughs> I, that would be an honor if it was Jay Buhner. Yeah. Uh, he was one of my favorites watching back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, we do share something in common that plantar fasciitis both uh, ended our careers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Well, your manager had a quote about you, I guess. Something, something right, Steve? Well, uh, <laughs> Frank Kona said he saw you in the shower, and he wouldn't call you the yeah. Greek out of anything. <laughs> I know. That one was uh, – he still says he feels bad about that. My mom was not too happy about it. There were some teammates that weren't happy about that. Either, but, uh it was pretty funny. Uh, uh, you, you've uh, got a brewer. You've back. got a brewer's build. We'll we'll go with that. We're happy with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, that was always the thing too. Is you know, people would talk about. That. I'm like, and I see people in public. They make. Fun. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Just cause, <laughs> hey, this is a this is a bad professional athlete body. It doesn't mean it's a bad. You know, it's not a bad professional body. So. <laughs> We'd always joke around about that, but yeah, yeah T- Terry Francona was was one of the most amazing managers, and it shows right now. I mean, if you look at the, his influence on the game right now, I mean, there's uh, you know two of the managers that are are managing right now were are, were former players uh, yep, yep. underneath Terry and learned a lot from him. Yep. And uh, yep. you know, Kevin Cash was yep. uh, you know was influenced heavily by him too, yep. and uh, just a great guy. And uh, I'm always always fortunate and always give a shout out to Terry. Francona for always being huge influence on my career. Yeah, yep, he just it doesn't matter which team he's got. He seems to get him in the playoffs. Well, he's uh, yep, he's one year. of those guys. He and you know you talk about your your childhood, Sparky <coughs> Anderson. You know mm-hmm. some people like that that are really just excellent across different uh, um, teams and whatnot. Yep. So. Kevin, and he evolves. He knows how to evolve with the game. Have you had a chance to make it up to Yakima to to actually see the hops uh, while they're being grown and uh, and harvested and all that? I have not yet. I am. I am super excited for that opportunity in in the future. Uh, I know you guys. This, the harvest just came about, and we were in discussions through emails. And I love. I'd love to come up there and see it. Uh, we talk about here how to grow some hops on side just for look, but I just think it's fascinating, and uh, it's just a it's a beautiful plant. So I'd love to take a look at and have that opportunity sometime well, we've got we'd love to have you come up next year we've got uh, you know the hops are special to us obviously but we've got some good local craft brewers here that uh, we do a lot of uh, work with our our growers in terms of experimental hops and uh, new varieties and recipes it'd be a lot of fun just to have you come up uh, when you get a chance next summer during the growing season and uh, spend some time seeing the hops and uh, and partaking with some of the local craft brewers here in yakima uh, that would be that'd be an honor to come up there and uh, uh, you know what what are some of the the new unique hops that you guys are liking right now? 
Steve, I mean, you go ahead. We've got uh, the, the, the one that we released this year with a name is called uh, Sabro, which is a, is a unique one because it's not part of that stone fruit um, flavor, if you will. It's, uh, it's got a more unique style to it, a neo-Mexicanist background. And, yep. But that, that's one, and, and you talked about Russian River. Uh, Vinny brewed a beer called Ron Mexico at that. He was a big proponent of that one. So that's one that uh, uh, was the newest one we named this past year. It's uh, starting to really get some popularity because it's quite unique. Uh, we've got a couple of other uh, experimental varieties that are coming up, uh, HPC 630, uh, 530, 692. They're numbered varieties, and we'd, we'd love to have you up here, Kevin. We take you out to the uh, single pl uh, plot uh, nursery and just uh, let you rub and sniff some of the things that uh, are out there. There's some extremely unique varieties. And uh, you know, going back to Sabro real quick, I mean, that's one that uh, – you either love it or you hate it. That's kind of it's kind of one of these polarizing hops. But uh, personally, I, I think what Vinny did with Ron Mexico, Great that's, beer. that's yep. an amazing beer. But yeah, you could get a hold of uh, Ilya Fibusevich, our, our local sales manager for your area. He'd be sure to get you some uh, some <coughs> samples of those, Kevin, and uh, have your uh, um, I can't remember her name now. Um, I apologize. Brogan. You're Brogan, your yep. brewer. Uh, yes. Try it out and see what she can do with it. It'd be a lot of fun to do some experimentals with that and see what happens. Is it turning into like a, is it like a Mexican lager or is it? No, no, no. Uh, it's just it's native to the United States. That's why it's kind of interesting. So it's uh, it just you know most of the hops have their ancestry coming out of Europe, as you might imagine. This one was actually native to uh, the Southwest. That's mm -hmm. why it's pretty cool. Yep. And what styles are like? What are what is it more adapted to? Like more the ales or yeah, the more hop forward beers, yep. uh, ale style and whatnot. IPAs, um, yeah. Well, having said that, um, I had a nice lager beer the other day with Sabro. Oh, really? And, Who made that uh, one? It was made in, uh, uh, I'll think of the brewery here in a minute, Mike. That's um, <laughs> the hardest part, right? Remembering them all? Especially <laughs> this time of the year. You know, we have three or 400 <laughs> yeah. brewers in doing selection, and uh, they all want you to try their beers. Uh, but uh, It's a tough problem to have. It, it is, yeah. We somehow survive. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ilya can fill you in and give you a couple of different recipes and talk to Brogan about it. But, no, we'd be happy to have you come up uh, next year. And it's, it is really fun, Kevin, to come up during the growing season and uh, talk to the plant breeders, obviously bring Brogan along, and then uh, do a, a chance to get out in the fields while they're growing and uh, do a, a, a rub and sniff on them and, and see what you, what you think about and how you translate that into beers. I can't do it myself. I just can drink it. But uh, it's a lot of fun for people to know what they're doing, so. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love enjoy. I mean, I, I got in this business and uh, every day I keep learning so much and I'm just so grateful to be around you know, so many good people within the industry and that teach me so much. So, yeah, that would be really, really cool for us to come up there. And we really appreciate that because we're excited with uh, trying new things. Uh, we're all about experimenting and bringing in as many new hops in and putting it out there for our customers to try. Well, terrific, Kevin. Well, thank you so much for taking time with us. We really enjoyed this uh, this podcast, and uh, you know, with the with the Cubs out, we're going to cheer for the Red Sox, I guess, right? And uh, so, yeah, for uh, sure. But hopefully, good baseball. It should be a lot of good games coming up, starting with tonight. So, and and as a baseball guy, Kevin, you'll know what this means when we wish you nothing but good hops. Yes. Yeah. Don't I don't like those funky hops when I play, <laughs> but I love them now. All right. All right. Take care, Kevin. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.